Hello, I'm Donna Robinson, a lawyer with the Arts Law Centre of Australia. This podcast is produced by Arts Law in partnership with Desart, the peak body for Central Australian Aboriginal Arts Centres. This podcast is part of a series of podcasts for arts centres and for the broader visual arts community, where we discuss the legal issues that regularly impact arts centres, artists and arts organisations. In this episode, we're talking about licensing artworks and the steps the arts centre, organisation and artist need to take and the things they need to think about from a legal perspective when considering licensing an artwork for use by someone else. Today we're talking to Suzanne Derry. Suzanne is a Principal Solicitor at Arts Law and the Director of our Education Programs. Welcome, Suzanne. Thanks for having me, Donna. A licence is another way of saying the artist, as the copyright owner, is giving permission to someone to make a copy of their artwork. It can be permission to reproduce the image onto many things, from coffee cups to tea towels and T-shirts to bedspreads, in a book or on the side of a building. It can be a single copy of the image or multiple copies for printmaking on paper or fabric. The copyright owner is giving the other party a licence to use the image for the agreed purpose. The permission in a licence is a legally enforceable arrangement. It is a contract between the copyright owner, sometimes called the licensor in this case, and the person to whom they're giving permission, called the licensee. A licence can be oral or in writing. Written is best as it records what the parties have agreed, so there can be no doubt or differences of recollection about the details. It makes things clear for everybody involved about how things will work, what the fees are, what the image can be copied for, for example, to post on the Art Centre's website for sale and promotion of the artist. It's there as a checklist if anything goes wrong. Art Centre managers look after many aspects of an artist's practice. This is often associated with the creation and sale of the physical works. The Art Centre is likely to be representing the artist and acting as their agent, with the artist giving the Art Centre permission to use or reproduce the artworks to promote them, such as on the website or in exhibition catalogues. Most commonly, the artist is the copyright owner, but sometimes they may have transferred their copyright rights to another. Best practice principles require that the copyright should remain with the artist wherever possible. The artist retains their copyright even though they've sold the physical artwork. At the outset, it's worth addressing the question of whether to transfer ownership of copyright in the work or to simply give permission to use it, otherwise known as a licence, and the artist retains the copyright. Suzanne, what's the difference between assignment versus licensing and which is better? It's a great question because they're two very small little words and they can make the world of difference in terms of the way that the rights are treated. So I liken assignment to selling a piece of real property. So an assignment is where you give away your copyright for a, usually for a sum of money and what that means is that you are no longer as the rights holder entitled to use that copyright yourself somebody else becomes the new owner of the copyright. So in in that way, it's like selling a piece of real property, selling a house, for example, the other person becomes the new owner of the house. Licensing is a little bit more like renting your house to somebody else for a set period of time or for a specific purpose. So when you license your copyright, you're giving somebody else consent to use that copyright for a period of time 
or for a very specific purpose or for a very broad purpose, but you remain in control or the, or the owner of the copyright. And that's the, the key difference between those two things. Now, regardless of whether you're an artist or an art centre or the party wanting to use the work and obtain a licence to use it, what are the most important things to think about for everybody when considering whether to licence an artwork? I think it's really important to consider what is on offer. You know, when you're talking about licensing a work, you are really talking about a transaction um, between you and somebody else around your copyright. And so you've got to think about what it is that the, that other person or that other business or that other entity is offering you and what it is that you are willing to give permission um, around. So I always, when somebody approaches arts law and says, look, I don't really know if I should give someone else permission to use my copyright. I think it's important to always ask, okay, well, what are they willing to pay um, and what are you willing to accept and what are they asking for your permission to, um, to do? Are they asking for a really broad permission? Are they asking for a really narrow permission? Um, so I think communicating very clearly around what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with is important and also making sure that when you're considering whether or not to license your artwork, you're getting all of those negotiations and, and all of that discussion in writing in the form of an agreement so that regardless of what arrangement you come up with, it's very clear to both of you what it is that you've consented to and what you've agreed to. And I think, too, it's a question of balancing, isn't it? The amount that is paid against whether the licence is for all things, whether it's exclusive, non-exclusive, whether it's for a long period or for a short period, all of those factors need to be taken into account when deciding how much is a reasonable amount to pay. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's about balancing the factors of the whole arrangement as well. You know, if somebody is asking for a copyright permission that's going to last for the life of that copyright, of course, what you are going to be expecting as the person granting that licence is a larger fee, um, a much more prominent, perhaps, uh, uh, reputational benefit around the sorts of credits and perhaps in-kind reputational support that you get. So, yes, it's absolutely about understanding clearly about what is on offer for you, what you're willing to give, and balancing out all of those things around where you are at in your career. I mean, some artists who are really starting out and trying to get themselves out there and trying to get their work promoted um, to as many different people as possible might be willing to agree to a very different sort of contract to an artist who is very established, has a very clear idea and picture of what the market value of their copyright is and, and uh, you know, is, is able to negotiate perhaps a different sort of agreement. Um, so it depends very much, yes, you're right, Donna, on that balance. And when considering a licence contract, what are the key things to include in the contract when you're licensing to reproduce an artwork? Yeah, look, I'll just talk you through the sorts of things that I would really have front of mind as a lawyer when I'm looking at those sorts of agreements um, to give you some insight, I suppose, into the kinds of things to focus on from a legal perspective. One of them is that the scope of the licence. So when, you, when you're thinking about uh, whether or not to licence your copyright and you're looking at any contract that talks about that licence, it needs to be very clear to you as the person giving the permission 
how broad your permission is going to be. So are you giving permission just for the person to use it as a one-off um, on one particular product, for example, or are you actually giving a really, really broad consent that would authorise them to use it for anything that they wished to for the life of the copyright? The other thing that I think is really, really pivotal is any reference to payment and the way that payment is going to work. And I'm continuously surprised at how little attention is given to this in agreements um, that we sometimes see at arts law in that people are very good at articulating a percentage royalty, for example, that an artist might be entitled to when an artwork uh, is embodied on a product. But what is often absent those agreements is a clear understanding of how that royalty is going to be calculated. Because as we all know, 90% of zero is still zero. So, you know, if you've got a calculation that doesn't make it really clear to everybody what any kind of royalty payment is coming out of, uh, you can run into trouble later on down the track and also really have some very disappointed expectations around what people are getting out of the arrangement. The other thing that I always encourage artists to look out for is um, that term, the clause that talks about duration and how long that permission is going to be for. Sometimes in, in agreements there are certain things that might happen that trigger the term to start or to recommence or to roll over and you really want to know about those before you wade on into that relationship. And then the other thing is termination. And often when you're in the throes of a very positive conversation with somebody about permitting them to use your, your rights or your copyright, you might not be thinking about, all right, ooh, well, how will I get out of this relationship? How will I terminate this relationship? And this is the value of a good written agreement that you can actually have a clause in that agreement that talks about ending the relationship, ending the copyright license and terminating that engagement with someone else. So how do you how do you end the, the arrangement? And here, you know, at Arts Law, we see all sorts of things in arts agreements, some of which are really unideal. So you might have a termination clause that is really one-sided, so really lopsided in, in the bargaining positions in that it gives one party the sole right to terminate and the other party's not allowed to terminate even if things go wrong. So those are the sorts of things that I think are really important for anyone looking at, an, at a licensing agreement. And of course, if you're an agent for artists, you know, including if you're an arts centre, um, one of the things that you really need to be very clear about is whether or not your agreement of agency, you know, your artist arts centre agreement, whatever document it is that grants you permission to work as that artist's agent, also talks about whether or not and the extent to which you are allowed to deal with their copyright as well. Because you may find that you're in a situation in which you really, as the agent, should be going back to the artist and seeking permission from them to even negotiate these sorts of licences on their behalf. And look, different art centres have also got different policies around this as well in terms of what they are comfortable doing. You know, many of them will go back to the artist 
and want to have conversations with the artist for the purposes of transparency and making sure that they're taking everybody along for the journey. Good points. Thank you, Suzanne. Just changing the subject slightly, uh, licensing can be a great opportunity to make money from a single artwork in a variety of different ways. A licence can continue to bring income to the family after the artist has passed away. What have you observed in your experience with licensing and estates, Suzanne? I think the importance of the clarity that a written agreement gives um, is, is really pivotal there. You know, once somebody's passed away, copyright is going to continue to exist after that person's lifetime. So copyright exists for the duration of the artist's lifetime plus another 70 years. And what that means is that after the person passes away, their copyright can still be dealt with as an asset of the estate. The tricky thing is that if during their lifetime they have entered into copyright arrangements that were not clear or evidenced in writing, once the person passes away, they're no longer able to verbally document what it was that that arrangement represented. And so that can create some real difficulties for the beneficiaries or the estate. The other thing that is really, really valuable um, is having a will that provides guidance to your beneficiaries and to your executor about what your testamentary intention is around your copyright. And by that I mean the will provides an opportunity for an artist to talk about how they want their copyright to be dealt with after their lifetime has ended and their copyright then continues beyond them. And we found that there can be real challenges for whether it be arts centres or the beneficiaries of estates of artists where those intentions haven't been made clear in a will because perhaps there was no will or perhaps because the will doesn't actually talk specifically about copyright. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really particular asset and I think that having somebody who understands the copyright as an asset of the estate and understands the value of the artist's work is really very important and it's quite different to dealing with perhaps the value of a motor vehicle um, or, or residential property when, when an artist passes away. Well, increasingly artworks are being marketed on social media and this raises a number of issues, which we discussed in our recent podcast on online exhibitions and social media. I think it's a very important topic these days, though, and worthwhile touching on it again. Suzanne, can you give us a recap on the things to take into account revolving around licence agreements and social media pages? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pivotal that anyone who is dealing with an artist's copyright, just going back to that earlier point about agency, is certain that they have the consent of the artist to use their work. And by that I mean making sure that if you are putting an artist's artwork on a social media account, social media page, that you have got the artist's consent to do that. Because, of course, social media um, platforms have got their own terms and conditions which dictate what permissions you give by default 
by using their platform. So when you sign up to those accounts, you click a little box that says, yes, I agree to the terms and conditions. And those terms and conditions talk about copyright and other rights that you might have when you use the platform. And they also talk about rights that you might grant or permissions that you might grant to the platform itself when you upload content to the platform. So if you have a license agreement uh, with an artist, it's really very, very important to ensure that if you are wanting to use that copyright on any kind of social media um, presence, that you've got their consent to do that. And now it is standard practice when arts law reviews agreements that relate to copyright licensing, that those licenses pertain predominantly to digital or online use. It, you know, that may be as a complement to uh, print use or, or physical um, assets but it is standard that there will be some component of that agreement that will deal with the online use of the work, whether that's on social media or websites, et cetera, because those are the, the, the modes of promoting and marketing work. So the other thing to really look out for if you're asked to engage in a licensing negotiation on behalf of an artist is to understand what that agreement says about the way in which the work might be used on social media or online in order to, for example, promote a product that the artwork might be embodied on. And there are other issues which can arise in licensing, are moral and cultural rights. How are the artist's moral rights respected in a licence agreement? It's a great question because it presumes that the artist's moral rights are respected and that's what we also expect to see at Arts Law. You know, we really like to see agreements that insist that the artist's right to be credited and their right of integrity in the work is maintained. So if we just take ourselves sort of a step back uh, as a recap, in Australia, our copyright law insists that artists do not only have these economic rights in their work and their copyright interests, but they also have these personal rights in their work. And they are the rights of um, attribution, the right not to be falsely credited, and the right of integrity. Now, what do those rights mean? They mean the right to be properly acknowledged or credited when your work is used as an artist and not to have someone else's name used instead. And also the right not to have things done to your work which would constitute a derogatory treatment of that work. That's a slightly more, I suppose, subjective uh, analysis of, of what your rights as an artist are. And they relate really to understanding that if somebody uses your artwork in a way that in any way derogates or mutilates or changes the work, that your right of integrity might have been infringed. So when we look at agreements that are licensing agreements, what we're wanting to see is that there is a clear articulation of the copyright permissions that are given, but there is also a clear articulation of the way in which the artist is going to be credited when that work is used for the purpose that it's licensed. For example, if you've got a license agreement that talks about 
a product that's going to be created with an artist's artwork, let's say a mug. There's the all of the questions in the agreement around you know, how the artwork is going to be presented on the mug and whether the artist will have proof and all of a proof to approve. But the other aspect that we would want to see is that the artist would be properly credited on that product when their work is used and that the person using the work wouldn't be allowed to make changes to the artwork as it appears on the mug such that it would change um, the nature of the original work. And how is Indigenous cultural and intellectual property in the work respected in a licence situation? So Indigenous cultural and intellectual property, just by way of a very quick recap, is a very broad collection of cultural and intellectual interests of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, which includes languages, artefacts, traditional stories and knowledge. And most Indigenous artwork will embody this knowledge and heritage in one way or another. So when we're talking about the use of Indigenous cultural and intellectual property in a licensing situation, what we really need to be making sure of is that there are some checks and balances around the treatment of that cultural information for whatever purpose the work itself is being licensed. And by that I mean, if you've got a permission to use the copyright on a product, ensuring that there is some acknowledgement of the cultural interest there, whether it's an acknowledgement of the community an acknowledgement of the fact that there is traditional knowledge embodied in the artwork that's on that product. And that can be done through notices that might accompany the sale of the work on a website. It might be done through print uh, swing tags that might attach to a product or in the packaging of the product. But it's very important that that Indigenous cultural and intellectual property is acknowledged and treated separately and in addition to the copyright permissions and the moral rights compliance, because it is um, an asset or a right or an interest that is in addition to those um, copyright rights that exist at law. And no matter how well you manage the use of an artist's images, when the artwork is out in the world, there are risks that it can be copied without permission. How can an artist or their representative manage their artworks to make sure the licence isn't exceeded? By this I mean if the image is copied more times than it was agreed or if it's used for different purposes other than those that were agreed. I think the first thing, Donna, is to make sure that you've got a really clearly articulated agreement around the permission that's being given. And by that I mean an agreement that's going to stand its ground and be very clear about what each of the parties can expect of each other. If you are an artist or a representative and you have a contract that is very clear about how much or how many times or in what way the copyright can be used, you have a much better, clearer, easier way 
of dealing with anybody who steps outside the scope of those permissions. Your problems are going to be doubled, if not infinite, if you've got an agreement that is unclear about the scope of your permissions. And I'm going to give you a quick example just to explain what I mean. If you've got a contract that says, I, the artist, give you the licensee permission to use my work for your business, that doesn't really make it clear what purpose other than commercial that license might be used for. It doesn't make it clear whether it's in print or online, how long the permission might last, and it can invite all sorts of trouble for you. So really, the first step that you as the artist or you as the representative of an artist need to take to ensure that the license isn't exceeded is to make sure that you've got a great agreement which is very clear about what the permission actually is. The other thing that I really recommend to artists and their representatives is to have regular and transparent accounting arrangements in your relationship. So if you've got an arrangement that allows somebody else to use your copyright for a particular number of times or for a particular number of years, I would really encourage you to make sure that you've got a clause in that contract that requires the other party to come back to you with statements about the way in which the work has been used, the number of times the work has been used, if it's being sold, how many times it's being sold. Because asking for those statements presumes that the other side really needs to have very clear arrangements in place around the way that they're going to manage your copyright. And that is so important. It also gives you, on the other side, transparency about the progress of that licence and the treatment of your work and the way in which your work has been used. Great. Thanks very much, Suzanne. Thanks for having me, Donna. If you found this subject interesting, we are also creating a podcast which follows on from it and talks about licensing for specific purposes such as fashion and merchandise. As always, if you have any questions, please contact ArtsLaw via email, artslaw at artslaw.com.au. Please drop us a line and let us know what you think and if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to hear about, please let us know as often the questions one person has are shared by others and we'll try to do a podcast on your question or give you one-on-one legal advice. This is part of a series of podcasts created by Arts Law in partnership with Desart. You can find them on our website and on the SAM database or on Spotify. You can also find our other podcasts on topics such as copyright, moral rights, online exhibitions and social media, cybersecurity and employment. Thank you to Suzanne Derry for her time and thank you for listening. This podcast is intended as a guide to the law only. It is not legal advice and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice. Legal advice should be sought on the specific issues affecting you.